Hello and welcome to another episode of the Showgame podcast with me, Sean Colfer. In this episode, I spoke to UKU CEO Cy Hill, the man responsible for kind of running Frisbee in this country. And we talked about the return to play protocols. So we talked about people coming back to the sport, what that might look like, what nationals might look like, the kind of things that they're expecting people to do in kind of the local areas rather than doing more national tournaments and what the importance of that might be going forward in terms of growing the game, getting more people in and improving accessibility to the sport. We also talked a bit about the GB programs, about what 2022 might look like, given that this season is obviously going to be a, a slower ramping up of things and what the UKU are doing to help people ease themselves back into playing, not strain themselves too much or get injuries right at the beginning because everyone's so desperate to get back to playing. They, uh, they do things that they are not currently physically capable of. I know certainly I'm not physically capable of much of why I was able to do prior to the pandemic, and that's not just because of age. So all of it we got into, it was a good conversation. Uh, hopefully you will enjoy it. And if there is anyone that has anything to talk about in terms of training sessions they're getting planned or different things, different ways they're getting back into the sport, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we're at Showgame Multi on Instagram or at Showgame on Twitter. So just drop us a message on there or on our Facebook page. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Love to talk to different people about how they're getting back into things now that we're nearly, nearly, nearly allowed to play Ultimate again. I know in Scotland, they're already starting and already making plans. It's obviously very exciting. So in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sai. I'm joined now by UKU Major Domo, like runner of everything, Sai Hill. Sai, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm not sure about that title, but anyway, it's all good. <laughs> not, not on the letterhead, no? I think maybe, well, not at the moment. Yeah, maybe something to change in the uh, in the near future. Yeah. Um, I imagine it's been a fairly difficult time in the last couple of weeks, putting all this, putting all the return to play guidelines together and working with, you know, different people all, all across the UK sport and networks. Um, how has it been? How has it been getting ready for the return to play? Well, in a way, we were sort of just waiting and hoping for a bit more information. And I think if I was going to sort of, if there was one overriding thing, it's not much information for us to work on, actually. And, and I can imagine people are like, oh, why isn't there more information? And actually, we haven't really got any. So, you know, it feels from my end at, at the sort of, you know, one of the teeny tiny NGBs that, that the information that was thrown out was kind of, well, you know, team sports, they'll just restart, right? You know, and that's sort of been the sort of the way the government's presented it. And and then it just sort of there's just this throwaway line in the information saying, you know, follow the guidance from your NGB. Now, it's not clear to me that there's been enormous amounts of guidance out to the NGBs about exactly what sort of assumptions they're supposed to make about the level of transmission or the level of infection or and so on and so on. Right. So the impression is just, well, just sort of pick up where you were at some point in the spring, in some point in the autumn, without a great deal of guidance about which bit of the autumn or which part of the country or which bit of the autumn, etc. Mm. So, so actually, I think, you know, that I probably sound a bit miserable and frustrated about that. No, that's not very good. But I mean, obviously, so it's brilliant. Obviously, we can get started again. We have had to just make a judgment, frankly, about where to start. So we ummed and ahed about phase b you know with just social distancing and drills or the phase c with a bit of normal play but no marking the thrower basically and we undenied about which 
to do right away and plumped for just phase B initially. Now, my guess is that people are going to see some football clubs or hockey clubs around them getting a bit closer to each other. And I think the main thing in a way was just that when we did that the first time around back in August, I had quite a few people and actually, you know, athletes who'd been training all the way through actually come back and say that was quite good because it meant we took it easy for the first couple of weeks. So in a way, I think we went for that sort of, we plumped that side of the fence as it were on that to some extent with an eye on just trying to help people take it easy and look after themselves a little bit as they get back into it. And I suppose, frankly, because, you know, it's easier for us to go in the direction of BCD than it is to go in the direction of, you know, in the other way, as it were. So we sort of thought we would start there. And then, and then, yeah, when, and then of course, suddenly Scotland changed their plan, which kind of, um, which meant that we had to sort of scurry around trying to update a few things. And, and then we just wanted to, we needed to produce a, bit of school specific information because things have changed for schools a little well quite a lot actually or at least what they're allowed to do has changed a lot I don't suppose many of them have had the capacity to think much about it yet so yeah so we had to pull that together but to some extent actually we did have a lot of it in place together so some of it was just about sort of trying to work out and, and sort of trying to go around different sports or different groups seeing if there was more guidance on on how we be a good citizen about the guidance we give out and uh, you know we've adopted our previous approach really being somewhat on the cautious side yeah i know that the, the only question really that i could think of having read the uku guidance and also looking at the government regulations was this rule of six thing about it says in there if you are going to be meeting people outside you need to adhere to the rule of six and then slightly lower down it says but sports can continue as as normal so it's a bit like Obviously, you know, I'm sure you haven't got necessarily any definitive information on that, but the kind of levels of information don't always seem to line up perfectly. Um, do you have, I mean, what, what's the what's the UKU yeah. kind of thinking on that? Actually, so certainly more than six is allowed um, for us, and we will clarify that in the coming days. I, I think we probably, in England, will end up not even with a limit of 30, although we will try to um, guide people to sort of think about that sort of scale. So, you know, if you've got 60 people, well, split them in half and, mm. and do something. So I think we've got to try and find the right way to sort of explain that. But we realised from a few questions we've had from last week that, in fact, we needed to provide a bit more clarity about the numbers. Although we don't have any. So, we're again, we're going to have to try to figure that piece out. And I guess we'll be kind of in the, you know, in the tens and we won't and we'll be limiting i think initially again and sort of saying either it's a club training or maybe later in april two teams meeting to play and it shouldn't get any bigger than that yeah. and and that, and that i think i mean you know looking back to autumn i saw a little bit when having a strict limit of 30 caused some sort of not helpful unintended consequences so it was quite good i felt when that became slightly more relaxed so it will be more like that, and we will clarify that before we get to the end of the month. Hopefully this week, if we, if we can kind of get enough space to kind of just work through the pieces. Um, but we, we think there's no limit. Like, as far as we can tell, there's actually no limit. And so we, but, but it's really, it's, you know, just very, very open. It's quite hard to actually work out where we're supposed to put that. And, you know, we, to some extent watching what other sports might do or trying to get some shared information on what other team sports are doing with that number. 
Scotland is still going to have a number, so we may use the Scottish number. You know, um, it's it's still quite sort of you know, it's it's there's still quite um, some gaps actually. Um, but we're I'm fairly clear that there's not a six-person limit, and in fact, it's not even clear to me that there's a thirty-person limit. Um, and so we're just seeking to clarify that over the next few days. So even as we come kind of out of the restrictions um, in large part, there are still some moving parts and some things that need to be nailed down kind of across the board. So um, yeah, at the moment, and and personally, I mean, I'm not, I'm I'm. I'm not at the most optimistic end of the sort of scale of people from optimistic to pessimistic about this whole thing. Obviously, we all sit somewhere on that range and we all, we're all meeting people all the time, you know, and, and working out, you know, where we all sit. I, I, I mean, I think there's a few more sort of, there's quite a bit more clarity to come, I think, in terms of how that sort of works for, for some of the sports. I think the other bit that maybe not everyone has always kind of gathered is that ultimate's actually pretty high risk in terms of the team contact, I mean, you know, it's not a contact sport. I know it's not a contact sport, you know, but in terms of the team sports or team contact sports, it's actually quite high risk because of what happens when you mark and throw up. And, and actually, if you, if you look at those other sports and the framework that the government sort of worked on or that, you know, that was, that was provided for team sports to sort of assess their own risks, actually that we, we do kind of come out more risky than probably than football and netball and basketball and hockey. Um, obviously not as bad as the two rugbies, but, you know, but somewhere in between. And so that's the other reason we've tended to be a bit more cautious is because marking the thrower, that, that sort of close face-to-face -face contact is, is obviously, as we've now all learned, a risky, a risky bit, a risky thing to do with, with the transmission risk. Yeah, not many sports where you literally stand in front of somebody and shout in their face it's shout like, in their face yeah absolutely <laughs> it seems it's quite it's i mean actually when you start looking at that you're like oh actually no nobody else does do that do they and and it's been relatively easy for the sports who have that situation intermittently in their games lacrosse and netball for example have a few situations where that, they've just taken that out of the game temporarily and it doesn't really affect gameplay it's a it's a thing that sometimes happens to restart play or to when and they've just made an adjustment there whereas obviously for us Moving the marker back makes quite a obviously makes a massive difference. You know, looks like everyone's playing D like me suddenly. It's, you know, <laughs> as a as a an offensive handler, I definitely I definitely identify with that. But yeah, I played a game back when the restrictions allowed in autumn, and yeah, it was strange because, as you say, people being a mile away, it suddenly becomes really easy to throw to the break side and kind of changes the whole complexion of how you play D and how you play O and completely changes the sport. So it's, uh, it's a strange one. The other thing about the statement was it was very definitive in terms of nationals, that there will be a nationals. Obviously, they didn't give any details of what it might look like. Uh -huh. I'm sure that's still to be worked out. But the, the fact that it was so definitive about nationals was, I thought, encouraging. Any thoughts so far about what it might look like? Or is that still very much a work in progress? There are definitely quite a few things to figure out, some of which obviously are not under our control. Mm. I think the reason we wanted to be quite so definitive was because I think I do feel that it's likely, very likely, that it will be possible for two teams to meet up and play each other now, full ultimate, you know, during the summer. Mm. And so absolute worst case, I suppose, you know, we could do the whole thing with only two teams ever meeting each other. And that would be very, very different. Um, 
but I think we could do that. And so we felt like we were able to say it. And it also seems, I think even if you sort of take a neutral view of sort of optimism, pessimism, et cetera, kind of hanging on to a booking that we already have at the end of August for a competitive for nationals is, is I think, okay. Right. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's, it's likely we're going to be able to bring a number of teams together by the end of August. I couldn't, I'm not necessarily sure it'll be 32, not sure necessarily it'll be a whole weekend, but you know, it does seem reasonable that we'd be able to bring quite a few together at the end there. So it seemed like in terms of what do I think it might look like, I guess if, you know, my best guess is maybe three divisions of eight towards the end of, of, of August. I mean, we're, I mean, we have a booking, right? On that yeah. day, we do a lot with the University of Nottingham and they've been a great partner. We have an existing booking there. So, you know, likely we're going to, you know, if we possibly can stick with that and go to that venue with them. And so I guess, yeah, probably maybe three divisions of eight. There's no EUCS qualification structure. So, you know, so there wouldn't need to be any Irish teams this year. And I think we'd assume that they, you know, we're not expecting to run something for the Irish teams to come to in nationals. And there's no sort of qualification to, to EUCF either going on. So on the other hand, there, there probably is a qualification to world clubs to think about. That does make it a lot cleaner if there's no no Irish teams there. Obviously, that it, means there's no kind of uh, things that might happen in terms of moving qualification around for the world clubs. So that does make it easier. It, it simplifies that question for sure, yeah. And and then I think the question then is, is what do we do to enable everybody to qualify if possible? And so I think realistically, I, I think earlier in the season, we'll need to do something that involves smaller numbers of teams meeting up to play. So rather than we're not planning right now for a regionals in the usual structure at the end of July, early August, but are rather trying to think about how we might set things up for people to play a kind of fairly brutal, I guess, kind of knockout style competition to qualify. Um, and I think, you know, don't want to get a, uh, this isn't only my decision to make, right? But I, I mean, I would have thought, you know, potentially the very top teams not necessarily being part of that initially and sort of coming in later in the system might make sense too, you know. So obviously if you're going to have a kind of knockout system, you want to make sure that teams' first game isn't kind of a totally sort of unwinnable, relatively impossibly difficult game. You want to give people a sort of, you know, a chance to get to the next bit because they're playing against somebody they, you know, that's that's yeah. possible. So we don't want the gap from sort of, you know, A against B to be too far if we can avoid it, I, I would have thought. So, yeah, so some sort of combination of maybe some teams having a kind of top teams qualification system to get in, and then maybe a couple of those teams having to kind of battle it out with some teams coming through a kind of knockout system from below, that's... Not a very clear description. I can see what you mean, because a team like, I mean, you're looking at a team like Black Sheep, for example, in Manchester, who have a wide variation of experience and ability. If they're playing a team like Smog in Mixed or Chevron in, in Open, if they're playing one of those teams that are one of the best teams in the country straight away, then that's not really, no one involved, neither the higher up team or the other team is going to get much from, from a game like that. It's going to kind of yeah. be a bit of a damp squib for everybody. I think so. And, and, and you know, and, and we don't really want to be kind of asking people to travel a long way for games that aren't fun. Mm. And so I think some some sort of mixture of some top teams playing off amongst themselves with the ones who don't do well enough 
kind of having to defend their position. The other one's kind of getting into nationals and then some other teams having a hopefully competition that is sort of part regional, part seeded, but probably knockout. Like, you know, two teams meet up and play each other and then the winner goes on to the next round. And, and for most of the, I think, you know, we're probably only talking about two or three rounds, probably perhaps not even two or three rounds for the women's division, um, but maybe two or three for the open and mixed divisions. But we do want to try and do something that's open for absolutely everybody who wants to play in it to play. There'll still have to be some roster rules on that. Hmm. Um, that's the sort of thing that I hope we'll be able to do with nationals. And there are obviously some, some fiddly details. And I think it will be a bit more brutal than it hmm. sometimes is. But I'm not sure. I think better to design something that's robust against unexpected bumps in the road from a COVID point of view. And I think doing things where only two teams have to meet you know, during the early half of the, half of the season and perhaps not too much travel, you know, those things probably are probably sensible in the context of, you know, we don't quite know what will happen, although it does, you know, obviously things do look like they're heading the right way. I think we're sort of trying to figure out things like, can we, you know, with some of these games, would we have kind of a home fixture? Would we specify that one team is at home and might we specify that some matches have to be neutral? So two teams are sufficiently far apart that we actually kind of position the venue as halfway between you. And then we work with the two clubs to find somewhere, maybe that sort of thing. Maybe we can do something like that. Sounds like quite interesting, actually. Very different dynamics to what we're used to. Yeah. And, and the possibility of trying out that idea. I also talked a little bit there about maybe some of the top teams being in their own competition in the first half of the season and some of them going to nationals and some of them having to then defend their position against you know, we'll probably end up there one day. So maybe this season provides us with a, an opportunity to look at what that looks like and feels like. It's, it's, it's not possible for to, to kind of forever have a competition where everybody's in it from round one. So I think that's one of the things that will be an interesting, you know, if we do manage to, to, to sort of construct something like that, I think it's interesting to see how it feels for, for everyone playing in it. And we're slightly forced into it because of the constraints. So that's what we think about nationals. I mean, the other bit that we're trying to, that we're, we're dead keen to, to do is try to encourage people to just play other games. Hmm. And so in looking at the idea of ranking based on just individual game results rather than tournament results and trying to see if there's interest in, in then people playing games and, and having that kind of ranking. I mean, like, you know, like the long existing UK rankings that we've had that, you know, that we'd call the tour and then, and then, more recently rankings and just trying to sort of slightly change that too to base on individual games with the hope that perhaps in the medium term that can live, you know, individual games can then live alongside tournaments in that competition structure. And that would be great because we, we you know, we know, we know for a fact that weekend tournaments decrease accessibility of the sport. Like they're amazing. Like obviously, I dare say you and I and anyone listening to this absolutely loves weekend ultimate tournaments. That doesn't seem a very controversial thing to say, but nonetheless, it does make life difficult for all sorts of people. And so I think, I think this is a, a weird moment to try to kind of just shift the balance a bit towards individual games, local leagues, local things, local, you know, you know, try and make something more, you know, try and gather some more learning and some more data out of the season as well as just sort of, you know, just playing some games, but trying to do some of those things and just doing anything that makes it easy. Just go and get a game at Tooting Beck or, 
you know, Hyde Park in Leeds or wherever, you know, somewhere local where you can kind of get another team and, and, and maybe, maybe get a game. This is, this is something that you've talked about before as well. Like this is not a new thing necessarily, is it? This is something that came up when we were doing the whole con- uh, competition structure review a couple of years ago. And uh, this has all been worked on in the past. So I suppose it's a good time to try, as you say, something new. Yeah, I think so. And I think that quite, you know, there were people who said at the time, why don't you switch now to a ranking system based on individual games? And we were a bit worried about doing that. And, um, uh, and I think I was a bit worried about doing that. And I think I was totally wrong. <laughs> well, there we go. That's definitive. I think I was totally wrong. And it would have been really helpful to have done it. I mean, I, I do think in 2019, when we made that change and, and we had some of those regional tournaments, they were a bit smaller. They were mostly, we were trying to do things where, which encouraged people to sort of, so again, we sort of, you know, we had the sort of maybe the top ranked teams playing nationally and then people under that trying to play a little more regionally. Hmm. And I think it panned out that panned out quite well actually and it was a shame that that then obviously I mean a shame that's a ridiculous understatement isn't it but obviously we we weren't able to continue that into 2020 and but I think we should continue down that road there it was interesting and I think quite a lot of people were quite happy with how that panned out for them probably we can make the rankings more accurate by switching them to game by game um, I mean, I don't think we ever, I'm not sure we ever put it out there, but at the end of that season, Meg and I did a bit of a back of an envelope calculation about com- trying to estimate the kind of change in travel commitment across our whole community between 2018 and 2019. And we re- I mean, It's very rough, but we reckoned our estimate came up like half the player miles that we'd had in 2018 just by switching to that. And I think, you know, actually, if we can further sort of break that up if that's the right word and allow more people to maybe just get together four teams and they play some games and they play only for one day or for five hours or whatever and then that's it and that works for them and then that helps for people people who can't afford to travel people who can't afford the weekend or people who for time commitments can't do that and so even if you're sort of even if everything's absolutely amazing at the end of June tournaments I think will still be fairly tricky so um so we think it makes sense to try to kind of plan some things around just two teams meeting up or or or, or at least a small number of teams meeting up and, and 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 sort of doing things slightly differently that way from a micro perspective like one example of that i know we had had discussions i was the president of thundering herd in 2019 and we had had discussions about obviously tour 2 in durham is where all the top teams were going but there was also a tour 2 in st albans i think it was mm-hmm. uh, which was a lower structure so the point the amount of points available was lower so if you wanted to you know get the points of finishing in the top eight you had to go to durham well we had discussions about sending a first team to durham in 2020 and sending a second team to st albans and the second team would be either people who weren't quite ready to play for talk for the first team or people who weren't able to give the same low commitment so they had other things on they couldn't spend all the time traveling all the way up to durham and having those two options available was potentially going to be useful for us and certainly something we had thought about so that's obviously a a very specific example but it certainly goes back to the giving more options and making it more accessible for a greater number of people that you were talking about with the weekend tournaments yeah i hope so and, uh, you know and so we do some of that this year because we sort of if i say we have to some folk might be like well you, do you really have to and i think the honest answer is we don't know that we absolutely have to right but we think there's a reasonable chance that we might have to and maybe we should you know, and so actually we're sort of, you know, so we're going to try some more of that and we'll all learn some things, you know, and, and players will know a bit more how about how they feel about it. 
And, you know, we will learn some things about the complexity of, of trying to do or simplicity of doing some of the things in a different way. You know, maybe that will, you know, we'll all come away going, well, that was way better. Or, oh, my God, it's a disaster. But, at least, you know, we'll have tried it and we'll have learned something. And I think that seems so much more positive than kind of trying to run events and then spend a lot of time going around in circles saying, is it on? Is it off? Is it on? Is it off? Team can't come at the last minute because of a positive test. And then everyone has their schedule rewritten at, you know, 11.30 on Friday night. There's all sorts of things about tournaments that I think remain tricky looking at them sort of from the perspective of, of sort of organizing them but but you know also stuff like you know do you have enough toilets what happens about people going in and out of all of those things what do you do sure. with having enough indoor cover for the right number of people you know etc so i mean in, you've obviously been you know doing this a while with the uku in your experience the people kind of if you're open about the thing that we're trying to be trying to experiment trying to test new things are people kind of open to that kind of thing As, with ultimate being you know an unusually highly educated community of sports people, I would hope that people would see the opportunity to experiment and appreciate that trying new things now is probably going to be a good idea. But yeah, just what's your experience of that? Are people usually open to experimentation? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think our experience of, uh, I mean, our, of the community and especially actually over the last year, it, it, you know, our community has been, a, you know, fab really, really supportive of staff, you know, I think, you know, you know, you started with the question, you know, it must have been really crazy these last few weeks. Like people are, are kind of coming into things with the assumption that it's fairly tricky. And, you know, they're sort of, you know, I think tending to give us, give the staff or the volunteers on the committees and so on a, a good benefit of the doubt, which is great. And I think that's really normal, typical of, of, of the, you know, of the community. And I think, yeah, I think people will kind of, you know, will look at, the information and the situation with the virus and, and relatively positive that people will feel quite open to the fact that it's probably best to do things slightly differently this year and why not try and learn something from that for all of us so that you know we've got a bit more information about things that could be different we do know that weekend tournaments are a barrier for players not for every, you know but it's and, and the reason I kind of hesitated when he said are people open to experiment is because, of course, it is sort of self-selecting that the current group of players love weekend tournaments. Because right? they can so play them. To, Right. I mean, it's sort of it's sort of. And so trying to persuade that group of people that, that, that you don't maybe we should do a few less weekend tournaments is really difficult because the reason they're the kind of most keen players. One of the reasons is because they, for the most part, love those weekend Frisbee tournaments. Right. So so there's a bit of a challenge there. And that's why I think in a way this year is a really good moment to try doing those things, because I think many people will understand that it's not an ideal time to try to be running a normal kind of tournament schedule. I mean, not all of the venues are even able to respond to questions right now. Still. Staff there. Yeah. So that part's tricky. And there are all sorts of unknowns about, you know, how would a tournament work and so forth. So, yeah. So I think, well, I'm hopeful. I'm positive. I'm optimistic that folk will feel like this is a proactive thing to do, given all the unknowns. Let's just what we do know. I think we can be really confident that for the most part, it will be possible for 40 odd people to get together on a sports field and play a game of ultimate. And so kind of building more of our things that we do around that for the time being seems like a sensible thing to do, even if clearly the vaccine appear to be tremendously successful. And, you know, that sort of 
you know, it does look like things are going in a good direction at the moment. Yeah, and certainly would be a, a game changer for anything happening later in the year. So the, the, I suppose the other aspect of it is uh, how many, or do you have any concerns about people kind of getting back up to speed, which I suppose is bringing in phase B before phase C, before phase D, kind of letting people gear up to it, I suppose, is the, is the thinking behind it. But in terms of getting back up to speed where we haven't played, none of us have played in over a year now. So <laughs> I suppose it's a, <laughs> speaking personally, uh, I may not be in quite as good shape as I was uh, in March 2020. Um, and even then, I'm not sure how good that shape was. So um, I'm sure I can't be the only one. From a UKU perspective, is it, is it a concern, kind of getting people back into, into things a bit slower than they might want to? Yeah, definitely thinking about that problem. So we've, we've, we've actually been in touch with a couple of S&C experts, and we've got some sort of got them thinking about some material. I think some, maybe some of Jules has been doing some stuff with the Women's Committee, and maybe some of that's out, or if not, it's coming very soon. So we just tried to sort of, you know, try to maybe gather some ideas for people to think about some some things they could do. So not not like hardcore SNC sending people down the gym, but just you know go and get these weights, or but sort of hopefully relatively simple things that people could try and maybe can do sort of in amongst everything else to just maybe kind of do things that would help get the body a bit ready for the rigors of ultimate. Uh, so we are. So two, so as, 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 you, as you've said, you know, so we are, we did decide to go with a phase B for a couple of weeks to try to help with that problem. And then we're also having these other conversations to see if we can get some other material out for people just to, you know, to sort of ideas really, but not, but not aimed at the folk. I mean, clearly there are lots of ultimate players who, who are really very fit and do all sorts of things like that all the time. And they know what they need to do, it, but, but a lot of the rest of us probably could do with some reminders or a few sort of a couple of pokes to just think, hey, maybe, maybe you want to think about this. I mean, you know, obviously, as you know, I've been around playing a while and, and I must say, you know, I've had old friends come back to play and um, hurt themselves sort of within the first 30 minutes, quite often <laughs> actually. And um, not necessarily super seriously, but enough to sort of, you know, they're like, oh, I'm going to get back to Ultimate. And then, you know, half an hour in, they're like, oh, well, now I'm not going to be playing Ultimate for another month hmm. or whatever. So, yeah, are we, you know, I would definitely urge people to be careful. We, um, you know, and especially the people on the older side of whatever you think the sort of old, where old, wherever old starts, you know, but people should probably take a bit of care and, you know, think about their bodies. Ultimate is a tough game. I mean, I know certainly, I mean, you know, I was exchanged a couple of emails about Jules and Jules, in, in particular, Jules was sort of saying, you know, God, you know, really try and persuade people not to do any laying out for, you know, for a little bit while they just sort of, you know, get their bodies strengthened and so on. So I think we'll keep saying that, trying to, you know, put that message out, just take it easy, take it easy. Because it's exciting, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but if someone throws a Frisbee out in front of me, I'm, I'm going to be like, Wee! you know, like a, like a little kid kind of running after it. And, and the thing is, I'm not a little kid, am I? I uh, it depends. Depends on the game situation. If it's too far in front of me, I might just I might just have a look at them, give them a glare. Like, what are you think? What are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. So I think I, yeah. So we are worried about that. We will kind of keep trying to kind of put the message out, saying sort of take it easy, be careful. We've got a few sort of resources with the generous help of of um, a couple of folk, and and we'll be trying to kind of you know that will be kind of coming out in various on the website or social media and so on over the next few weeks, really, just to encourage people to sort of think about it. We also um, we also did produce a small, I think we, 
our medical advisor, Kenny, Dr. Kenny Duffy, did produce a, a short document. It was a couple of months back now, just for people to think about in terms of if they've had COVID, because uh, that might affect their situation. I mean, obviously the message is, the fundamental message is, you know, take it easy and listen to your body yeah. and just, you know, be careful, but um, something to think about. Kind of away from the return to play stuff directly, but obviously all the international tournaments this year have been have been cancelled the kind of calendar's been cleared and a couple of things pushed back into next year so there's beach happening next year and there's also the world games scheduled for 2022 where do we or where do you think we stand in terms of gb when do you think we might be seeing kind of potential managerial appointments or structures put up for for the things coming down the line because obviously the world games it's now been confirmed that we've qualified and the biggest tournament really in in the sport so uh kind of where do we stand going going into that yeah um well we haven't started that process yet um but we will i think probably in the next month or so um sort of get it up and running to you know figure out i'm not saying we necessarily appoint people in that time frame but in terms of sort of just getting the processes started there are a lot right so you know you mentioned those two but actually also we will have events in indoors. I think it's been moved to March. I don't remember exactly the date, but yeah, there's the, the first ever international indoors that's never happened before. Yes, that European event. And uh, then, as you say, World Beach, then under 24s, under 20s at least. I don't think, probably not an under 17 tournament next year, but if it doesn't happen this year, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if the EUF decide to put an under 17 one on. I don't know. I haven't. I've not been involved in any discussion about that. So, and then also world clubs, right? So yeah. that's a lot of tournaments. And world masters clubs. Sorry, yeah, and world masters, yeah. So, yeah, quite a lot going on. Obviously, the two clubs events don't necessarily impinge on GB directly, but they do in terms of people's capacity for kind of dealing with everything. And, and they're all going to be, a lot of those events are going to be close together. Mm. I don't think those dates have been published. But yeah, I mean, even if they're not, if, if people want to play indoors and beach and clubs and world games uh, and potentially under 24s, like there's, that's five tournaments you could, you know, feasibly see someone playing. That's a hell of a lot of stress on the body. So you've got, I think, people to prioritize. We did actually in our last round of GB selection policies, I think it's in the selection policy. We do have a general principle of trying to dissuade people from playing in too many of those events in the same year. Like, respecting that it is in the end their decision, but sort of just sort of, you know, giving a nudge to people to sort of have a second thought about whether it's really, you know, possible or mm. sort of whether it's necessarily always the best plan. You know, but sometimes, sometimes people are in great condition and it just happens to be a year when they've got a lot of sort of capacity so we don't necessarily stop people but we do we do actually these days kind of ask the question when somebody looks like they might be in two or even three of those events i suppose once i suppose once that kind of process gets started it kind of all ramps up into next year so next year is going to be next year's going to be a busy one um mm. is that exciting is that daunting what's the what's the overriding emotion looking at <laughs> the 2022 calendar bewilderment um <laughs> Well, I suppose all of those things, right? I mean, if it turns out that all of those things are possible, then it'll be brilliant, won't it? I, I mean, there will be some challenges. I think I'd have to put them in the 
you know, nice problem to have kind of list, right? I mean, you know, if, if our problem becomes there's so much ultimate, it's really kind of overwhelming. Well, that has to be a nice problem to have. So we'll definitely take it. Yeah, definitely better than the last year. Yeah, too much, of course. Too much ultimate, better than none. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a lot, though. It's a lot. And, and I do worry about it. I worry about, you know, in all sorts of respects, I worry about the sort of cost impact on people who want to play more than one. You know, it's quite, you know, I think it'll be tough. We're almost, we're definitely going to have a kind of national rebuilding job to do, aren't we? You know, we, we will have lost players. We've lost players who never started as well, right? Yeah. So, and, and, and that's always, that sort of constant new players coming in thing is, is definitely been a part of what's kept our numbers, you know, as they've been for the last few years. And so we've, we've definitely lost players. And so having a lot of international stuff going alongside clubs needing to kind of you know build their numbers back up or or maybe we find that some clubs aren't even there anymore you know those things are going to be um that's a lot of different things going on at the same time and they don't all necessarily kind of help each other i suppose world clubs years can often be a bit disruptive to club development generally uh, i think you know as, as we've seen most years when there's a world clubs really you know the clubs that are going sometimes kind of end up with a few extra players from other teams and they often can be the kind of linchpins really of the way that this other club operates. It can be a bit disorientating for the other club. So there'll definitely be some tricky bits. I guess, you know, the important thing is just to try and think and you know take their time over some of the decisions and just, but it'll be great if all of those things happen. It'll, won't it be wonderful? Hmm, yeah. Certainly world clubs do tend to be kind of punctuation marks, don't they? Kind of like different parts of the club's history so yeah as you say if that all happens if that all comes together i'll certainly enjoy it it'll be plenty to talk about honestly <laughs> the last, last few months it's been tough trying to find things to talk about but it'll be easy yeah sure yeah absolutely that's but the only other thing that, now that i think about it is uh, university obviously different again with the way people are, are moving up and, and living away at university and all living in kind of closer proximity i know there was a thing in the return to play uh, documents about university ultimate being slightly different and maybe slightly uh, different to how clubs going to work. Is there any kind of further info on that, or is that another thing that's still being worked worked through in the in the immediate short term? Do you mean in, in the immediate short term? Yeah, in the next three four months, Bucks are trying to sort of facilitate some play in in sports where it's possible in the in term three, and obviously we're keen to help be part of that if we can, and and for unis that are able to. I mean, that ought to be possible in our current timetable, although maybe we're being a little bit cautious and conservative in our current timetable compared to what some uni teams might really want mm. to be able to do kind of by middle of April. And I think we're just sort of watching that because maybe we would consider that that was something we could... Maybe that's possible with working with the universities and with Bucks to sort of allow those clubs to move slightly quicker to being able to play each other. You know, I mean, they're quite unique quite unique kind of groups aren't they as well so they're slightly different potentially to a sort of regular some of the club teams so yeah so we're keeping an eye on that we're in close communication with bucks and we'll be trying to kind of talk to the uni teams about that too but hopefully some of the teams will be able to play and they'll be able to play in a bucks thing but back to that point earlier we i'm also hoping that we'll enter those results into our kind of into our ranking system and maybe we'll get more uni teams into our ranking system as a result of that because we could start counting those games and then if they play a club team as well that'll count too and so potentially we can 
you know, get something out of that. So hopefully, hopefully unis will be able to get some play. I assume it will mostly be with their local local opponents. I suppose we're keeping a slightly open mind about whether it's possible to. We, we'll be really keen to try to make sure those teams can play if there's a chance to play, and if it can be done with appropriate caution or whatever the right word is. It's not quite yeah. Right. But I don't like the word safe all the time. People say something safe. It's not that's using using the appropriate kind of protocols that's kind of yeah, minimize the risk yeah yeah with the appropriate minimizing of risk there you go <laughs> Perfect. well that's every, everything i had to had that to talk about is there anything else you want to talk about i don't think I, I i must admit no not i don't think so not nothing else that's sort of jumping out at me all right well thanks very much it's great thanks for your time Sai, again and hopefully next time we talk we can discuss actual frisbee tournaments being played by actual frisbee players for yeah yeah hopefully thank okay. you very much all right nice one all right thank you again to Sai for his time as always very useful to get his kind of perspective on where we are and where we're going hopefully that was useful hope it was interesting and hopefully i will be able to talk to you all soon about something else that gives everybody even more optimism of getting back to the game. But in the meantime, thank you all for listening, and I will speak to you soon.